Hey, this is Andy of Andy's Personal Development. And folks, we are live in the breakout room. We have a very special guest to share with you today on the program. And as you tune in with us, we hope that you will remember our three watchwords, health, happiness, and prosperity. Now about today's guest. He is considered as a goal whisperer, a leadership coach, authentic relating trainer for Rager Psychedelics, and he's also live in the studio with us. So without further ado, let's introduce our guest for today, Gabe Derita, live in the breakout room. How are you going today, Gabe? Welcome. Thanks, Andy. Uh, pleasure to be here. appreciate you having me on. It's a pleasure to have you. So there are so many different assets and facets to your life. It's quite intriguing. And we love your story, hence the reason why we decided that you would be a perfect match. When people hear the name Gabe Derita, what do you want them to remember the most? What is the biggest legacy that you want for folks to remember when they hear your name? Hmm. <clears throat> That's a beautiful question. I think I would want people to feel, I've said this to a friend, I want people to feel like they won the lottery when they meet me, to feel like something really positive and powerful happened to them in their life as a result of us crossing paths. Yeah. They had, you know, an experience that was meaningful and playful and deep. Yeah. Sounds good. So here's the thing. What is your true calling in life? And how did you discover it? What was that aha moment like for you? Yeah, I think, you know, my true calling, it's still revealing itself to me a little bit more every day. I don't want to ever uh -huh. feel like have the final version of that. Okay. But I do know that right now it's working with individuals and teams to help them unlock a deeper connection to purpose and meaning that's rooted in understanding their values and their their purpose and right. helping them connect with each other and themselves more effectively because i feel like when we can do that when we can really live authentically and aligned with who we are we have so much more resources to build a better world and the world's full of pain right now there's a lot of struggle mm. and i see my work as as contributing at a small individual level to helping people be better for themselves and each other so they can create a world that we're all excited to live in and, and we can be proud of, that people don't feel like they need to defend themselves all the time, that they can be generous. I, I, I think that's the world that I want to live in and that's the world I'm working to create. And I think I had this moment of realizing that I needed to change what I was doing to pursue that path in 2018 when I was working in the tech industry in San Francisco, California, and kind of had the life that I thought I was supposed to want. I, you know, I was making money. I had a, a beautiful apartment. I had a, a lovely partner, a big group of friends. And yeah, I was really feeling this like deep sense of something missing, but I couldn't detect what it was. Cause when I looked at checklist, you know, on paper, everything seemed to make sense for what I, yeah. I wanted. Yeah. And yeah. I had to reevaluate, you know, my values and I had to reevaluate what it is I thought I wanted from my life and in the process made a decision to totally change things up. And I, I quit my job. I, I sold everything. I, 
I left, you know, my community and my relationship and I traveled solo for about 18 months. I lived mostly by myself, much of that time on a bicycle, traveling around the world and really trying to connect with that part of me that felt like something was missing and really understand what it was that would bring me that greater sense of meaning. Yeah, that's deep. Thanks for sharing, Gabe. I feel the passion in your voice. So many people are seeking purpose and alignment, but one of the basic problems that I have personally experienced with many people is that they lack the self-belief, the self-conviction that things can get better or things can change. And I think it's a huge monumental task that they have to go now and undertake to get that change. What are some of the basic foundational things that you would advise folks that can help them to find a life of purpose and therefore align their goals, their dreams, and their values with that life, and it becomes more fulfilling? What are some of the basic principles that they should observe in the early or incipient stages? That's a great question. And you're right, a lot of people don't believe that a different way of life is possible. But the the problem with belief is it requires evidence. But if you have faith in a different world, then you don't need evidence. Faith relies on something deeper, on that place of intuition or that inner knowing, that trust. I think Mm -hmm. that's the place I would invite people to tap into. Like you don't need the evidence right now. It's 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 a risk you're taking. It's an unknown you're stepping into, and you have no idea what comes after that. So you can't you can't know. You're you're stepping into the mystery. And I think that's really important to understand that there isn't there's no way to feel totally confident that things are going to work out exactly as you planned. I had no idea what was waiting for me on the other side of that unknown, but I knew that that risk was worth taking. And I think that's an important piece of the the process that people understand that that uncertainty and that fear is really the only thing holding you back and that there's there's a lot of discomfort involved in leaving behind that certainty and that structure in their lives that 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 comfort of the known is what keeps a lot of people from exploring those other horizons but i think that's part of the process and just knowing that it's part of the process can help reassure folks at the beginning And another thing that I would invite folks to really question or or look at are the parts of your life that feel like they are implanted or kind of pressed upon you by your society or by your traditions or your beliefs. Those are the things you typically think of as values are the things that are, you know, given to us by our culture. But a lot of times they aren't representative of who we really are. And it might feel like we're being asked to play a role or that we're being assigned, you know, a, a piece of the, the puzzle that yeah. doesn't really fit. And so getting curious about what are those pieces of your values or the, your life that you've built up around an idea that isn't something that's authentically yours. I call it climbing, climbing the, ro- the wrong mountain. Mm. Um, and, you know, sometimes people are much later in their life uh, when they realize this, I've had some clients in their late fifties or sixties that you know left a career in you know healthcare or finance to to do something totally different because they realized yeah. a lot of the choices they made to get them to that point in their career were based on things that didn't matter to them. They were things that they did to you know please their father or mm. to provide for yeah. you know yeah. this sense of security, whatever it was. 
So yes. just taking a moment to take stock of that and say, what are the pieces of my life that I'm choosing for me? And what are the pieces of my life that I'm choosing for something else? And yeah. is that an aligned choice I want to continue to make? Yeah, wonderful. I love that explanation. Thanks a lot. So you traveled for about 18 months, Gabe. That, that's a pretty long time. What are some of the things that you discovered for yourself that you did not know about yourself, you were not aware of, but it was there all along? And what did it mean to you to have those discoveries? Mm, another beautiful question. <clears throat> uh, I think one of the things I discovered that surprised me was that I enjoy being alone. I think pretty extroverted, you know, throughout my life, I've had, I've been blessed with a lot of friends, a lot of beautiful relationships, and I really never was like by myself. But I remember this moment. I was in Croatia, like in the middle of nowhere, <clears throat> setting up camp. And I realized I was like probably about a thousand miles from anybody who knew my name. And it was like the loneliest I've ever felt. I actually cried in that moment. I was like, I wept because I was so moved by how mm. alone I was. Yeah. But I think in that process, I developed a sovereignty and a trust mm -hmm. in myself. And yeah. I, I kind of recentered my energy a little bit because I think my energy without me even knowing it had been kind of centered in other people. And I had, you know, formed my sense of identity through connection, which is beautiful. But I think it also led me to like some codependent patterns or some, you know, kind of negative sort of downsides of being overly attached to, to different situations for validation or whatever it may be. Yeah. Yeah. And I think <clears throat> in really giving myself that profound experience of aloneness and self-reliance where like nobody like if somebody found me dead on the side of the road there would i would just be another you know problem mm. for them to deal with there would be no yeah. compassion for me yeah. waiting yeah. in the relationships wow. and so it, it was just a moment for me to really come home to myself and i think yeah. it surprised me how powerful that was wow yeah thanks gabe that's deep that's deep man so i'm interested in something that you discovered a Japanese philosophy that meant a reason for being. Is it Ikigai? Yeah, I I, I don't take credit for discovering Ikigai. <laughs> and I, you, well, um, you know what I mean, right? <laughs> Being able to apply that philosophy somehow to your life uh, after discovering that it actually existed. Yeah? Yeah, and I think the, um, <clears throat> there is some misunderstanding about Ikigai. Uh, In the original Japanese cultural understanding of it, it doesn't mean the same thing that it means in the West. And it's, uh, it was kind of adopted into this Venn diagram in Western thought by actually, I think it was an Argentinian astrologer named uh, Andres. I'm forgetting his last name, but he basically yeah. converted yeah. this original Japanese concept uh -huh. into a Venn diagram. And so the Venn diagram you see now is not the original Japanese philosophy, okay. but the Venn diagram version of it really spoke to me. And that Venn diagram is what you love, what the world needs, what you can be paid for, and what you're good at. Right. And if you can find something that kind of checks all four of those boxes, you can create mm -hmm. a lot of balance and satisfaction in your life. Wow. And I do this kind of inventory with my clients a lot. I talk about like, okay, where are you out of balance? And so for me, like in my sales role, I was very much like good at it and paid for it but I didn't love it and I didn't really think the world needed it. Mm, 
And so I was out of alignment with that more heart-centered side of things. And through coaching and facilitation work, I can kind of bring those into balance. And, and so that's where the work I do feels purpose aligned because I know the world needs people who are coming alive and healing and growing. Um, and I love to be a part of that process and I'm good at it and I'm still paid for it. So I think hey. it, it allows me to feel that. Yeah. Balance. Yeah. That connection. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Gabe. Now, the people that you work with, your clients and so on, is there a pattern that you see that has developed over the period of time that you've been coaching and helping them align themselves? And I say that in terms of, you know, there's, there's some things that are generic and linear when it comes to people having problems, dealing with their lives, dealing with limiting beliefs and stuff. Have you seen a pattern in the people that you work with, your clients, or is there a variety of challenges that they bring to you? Yeah, I think it's more of a variety of, mm -hmm. of people's life experiences. I, mm -hmm. I mean, there's a bit of a paradox here where, you know, we're all so different in our yeah. paths through this life, but there's so many primary colors, you know, yes. of, of yeah. human experience that are all the same. And so mm -hmm. I think that's the part that's kind of fun is to see these, you know, primary colors turning into different paintings. And it's like, there's just an infinite variety of expressions of some core human needs, some core mm -hmm. wounds, you know, some core desires that show up in, in every coaching relationship. But I don't think that there's something like, I don't go into a, a coaching relationship expecting anything to be the same. Okay, great. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing. Are there any mentors in your life, Gabe? And maybe I shouldn't use it in the plural term, but singular, because usually there's just one person that we go to, that's still voice that's there for us. We know we can call on them, whether it's two o'clock, three o'clock, whatever time it is in the morning. And yeah. they just going to listen. And the few words that they may say will just help us to sort of align and resonate with what we really want to do. Is that person existent in your life? Yeah, I, I do have uh, many teachers that okay. have given me great wisdom over the years, and I'm lucky to have some actual mentors from living people that I have relationships with. One of my favorite teachers is Alan Watts, uh, uh, a philosopher okay. from California who right. really merged Eastern and Western philosophies and translated a lot of Japanese and Chinese texts, philosophical texts into English and he did a lot of cool work to kind of bridge these two worldviews. And he's also very playful. He's like, you know, everything's like very kind of like silly and fun to him. And I think that <laughs> that really resonates with the way I try to live. Right. Uh, so he's been a great teacher for me. Jim Dethmer is an organizational psychologist that I really like his work. And he's a coach and he talks a lot about conscious leadership mm -hmm. and kind of the principles of how living a you know an aligned life show up in your role and your work and one of my living mentors is a man named michael carroll and he wrote a book called awake at work and he okay. is a family friend of my father's and introduced me my dad introduced me when he found out i wanted to be a coach and that's michael's built his career on this and and he also has this kind of rooted in sort of Eastern philosophies and Buddhist teachings, but is very much active and kind of applying that to, you know, the Western business world and trying to bridge these two things that don't often mix. It's like spiritual life and business life are often yeah. thought as very separate and he merges them yeah. 
together. And a newer teacher I've recently come to know and had the privilege to know is a man named David Lappin, who founded a degree mm-hmm. called Lappin International, and he does the same thing. He's bridging ancient you know, Jewish mysticism and wisdom with modern workplace culture and really helping people root into a sense of spiritual identity as a tool to be a more effective leader. And so I I think you can tell the pattern here is I'm inspired by people who are able to occupy kind of two different worlds or two Mm. different ways of being and really merge those. Because I think that's, that's a lot of how I see myself is like, I don't really fit into any specific category and i live in this like liminal space this this space Uh between identities or ideologies and and try to bring the best of both to bear okay sounds good thank you for sharing i just want to share something with you and get your comments i have a couple of uh comments coming from the audience but before that let me just share this with you and if i'm not wrong i think this has to deal with psychedelics but i found it to be true truly amazing here we go gabe give me a commentary on this <laughs> that has nothing to do that has nothing to do with psychedelics okay so no. there you go there you go tell us about this mushrooms right thing. yeah everybody th- says oh i'm really into mushrooms and everybody's like hmm yeah so drugs right I'm like, no not at all man that's not it okay. that's not it all right um, all right mushrooms are so misunderstood what this is this is a photo of a mushroom called a porcini mushroom, which uh-huh. is the Italian name for it. Uh, the the uh-huh. Latin name is Belitis edulis, and it's consumed around the world, and it's considered one of the best the edible wild mushrooms on the planet. It has the name porcini because the Italians really love it, and so porcini is the Italian name for it. And my family heritage is Italian-American, and I identify deeply with my Italian roots, particularly their their love of food. And that was from a trip I made to Oregon, the Oregon coast in 2020 to mushroom hunt with a friend. And it was one of the most successful days foraging porcini I've ever had. I think we got like close to 40 pounds. But those are just a gourmet edible mushroom uh, that grow with coastal pines on the west coast of the United States. And they're delicious dried or fresh. They have a texture like scallops and a flavor you wouldn't believe. Man, that sounds like something to try out. I would never have known. I would never have known if we hadn't been on this episode on this podcast. It is amazing. Thank you for sharing, man. I appreciate that. Can I say one more thing about the mushrooms? Sure, sure. Go ahead. Do you know what umami is? Oh, I heard that before, but it's like a distant... It's no, like no, a it's no. like the fifth flavor. We have sweet, sour, spicy, salty, and umami. And umami's like that. It's almost like that that mouth feel, like when your mouth is coated, uh-huh. like when you eat a really good meat, you know, or like you have a good barbecue, and it's just like yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. your mouth is full of flavor. Yeah. Those mushrooms have one of the highest concentrations of glutamate in nature, and glutamate oh. is the molecule that's responsible for the umami flavor. So those mushrooms have a really strong umami flavor. And that's also a Japanese word that that just refers to this flavor sensation of like coating your mouth with goodness, basically really savory and, and, and fulfilling. So just wanted to end with that. Curious, go find some porcini. You you did, you did well in promoting that. You made it really sound like something we need to go and have the experience with. 
Thank you for sharing. Uh, we appreciate that. Something to learn every day. That that's what is it's it's all about. So yeah. I have this video that I want to show or share with us, and it's about five and a half minutes. But I wouldn't play it that long. I probably played about two minutes because I think what I want to get out from you is basically in the first two minutes. So here we go. You're gonna comment after. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Happy Friday. And happy 2020. I hope everybody's years off to an amazing start so far. And I had a thought about kind of adding to the New Year's resolution discussion that everybody's talking about right now. I posted on my page, I think yesterday, about setting a New Year's intention versus a New Year's resolution. And today I wanted to talk quickly about setting rituals instead of results as the focus of a resolution or a goal that you're setting for yourself. And this is a really interesting reframe for me that I was introduced to by Jay Shetty. I love his work. You should check him out. Basically, what he says with this is that <clears throat> when we focus on a result or a goal, it can often seem like really far away and distant and unattainable, and it's difficult to maintain momentum when we're striving towards a goal. But if in the process of creating goals for ourselves, we actually focus on the rituals and the steps that will help us achieve that goal, the process builds momentum as we go and we celebrate success at each step of the way. And we learn from our process instead of feeling like we're just kind of striving and driving towards this distant horizon. And I really, really love this reframe because you get to celebrate at each step of achieving your goal instead of having it be only celebrated when the goal is attained or having a sense of failure if it's not. If you focus on the ritual and the steps and making each part of achieving your goal actually as much of a success as the goal itself, then along the way you get to learn from each stage and celebrate and incorporate as you grow. And so an example of this would be like, if your goal is to lose 10 pounds, right, by February, let's say you're getting married or something like that, and you want to lose 10 pounds by February, that's your goal. And if you're only focusing on that as the thing you'll celebrate when you get, you're only going to get to celebrate it if you hit that months from now. But if you reframe that to say, actually, I'm going to make my goal the ritual of attending the gym every day, or I'm going to make my goal the ritual of eating something green at every meal, whatever it's going to be that ultimately will serve that end goal, make your goal ritualizing and celebrating the process itself. So then you get to celebrate every day and you said, I made it to the gym today. Or if you didn't make it to the gym today, you can say, well, I'm going to have to go tomorrow. I can't miss twice. Or, you know, so every single day, your process becomes what you celebrate and becomes the goal itself. The goal becomes to build this process, strengthen these habits, create something real and something powerful for yourself in the process of moving you towards a goal. And so you get. Yeah. So really powerful. I wrote down some stuff, results, resolutions, rituals, momentum, and celebrate each step. I want you to elaborate on what you just said, what we just heard, and what I wrote down. Because, Gabe, it is so powerful that people don't understand that you have to incrementally and intentionally focus on the goal and do it step by step. My personal mantra is 1% each day. Mm -hmm. It's so unusual that, that I feel like we can't align with this, but... What is the main message you're trying to tell people there? 
Yeah. I, that's so funny seeing that video. The first thing I thought of is where's that gold vest? I missed that thing. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that in years, but yeah, the, the, the core message there is really, I think matured <clears throat> over time for me that I recorded that video probably four years ago. Okay. Three or four years ago. And I think what it's become now is a very simple practice I call savoring. It's the same basic principle that what you want to learn to celebrate and live into is savoring those small steps, savoring yeah. that trip to the gym or savoring like, you know, the healthy meal, savoring the moment of stillness, you know, that you have mm -hmm. with your morning cup of coffee or tea. Yeah. Because if you're in that discipline of presence, it makes the practice easier, it makes the, the development of those habits easier because you're taking something enjoyable or delightful from every moment of your life instead of just saving the victory lap for those big wins and those distant mm -hmm. harmonies. It's the same principle <clears throat> and it produces the same result. But I think it's it's even more powerful because it's much clearer and simpler. Just like just savor the choices you're making and the things you're right. that are aligned with where you want to go. And you get right. that like that sense of satisfaction and that dopamine. And there is actually some research on our brain chemistry that says that our brain learns better in the presence of dopamine, in these good chemicals, right? These positive emotions. Our brain is marking that, is saying, this is something that's important for us. We want more of it. And so if you're turning your daily ritual of savoring into, hey, I really enjoy the self-satisfaction I feel when I choose to get on the rowing machine instead of just mm -hmm. eat cookies for lunch, or I'm really proud of, you know, like, not spending two hours on Instagram today. And like, I, I, you know, instead I read a book, like if you savor the, the success of those small choices, that's what ultimately compounds into greater transformation. There's a quote from Aristotle. It's like, <clears throat> I think Aristotle said it, or maybe it's misattributed to him, but okay. he says, we are what we repeatedly do. And so <laughs> excellence is a choice and a habit right? It's not, it's an outcome of a process of continually choosing over and over and over again in small ways to do things that matter to us. Because we only, you know, see the big results on the, you know, like on the social media feeds or yeah, you know, yeah. you're on the TED stage, right? That's what everybody sees. But those moments are the result of disciplined, committed, day-by-day mm, yeah. -day process. And yep. building that discipline is easier when we're enjoying it. That's right. Yeah, I love it. Thank you for sharing, Gabe. Are there any individuals that you are currently mentoring? I, I know you spoke of several teachers for you aligning that holistic aspect of your life. But in terms of seeing the future through, through someone, maybe younger persons, normally we would look for persons who would be involved in some level of continuation because you'd want your work to go on, I'm sure, and, and even after you're, you're not here, continue to make wonderful and great impacts on people's lives. Are there any individual or groups that you're currently mentoring that you see some level of potential in and you realize, hey, I could work with this guy, I could work with these people. And whatever I'm doing now, I know that possibility exists that through them, it can continue long into the future. Wow, I, I kind of feel like that's a question for, you know, a 65 or 70 year old. <laughs> I'm glad I project the image of an old old man sage, but I don't think I'm quite there yet. Okay. 
and and, and unfortunately, I can't share any of the information about the individuals I'm working with because I have a group. Of course, yeah, definitely. Clients. We know, we know that. But, we know that. But I do, I do like to work with people who feel like they're in a period of transition in their lives. You know, people who are at an inflection point, kind of people who find themselves where I was in 2018 of like having this sense that something's missing. I now call it spiritual inflammation, where you're having like an allergic reaction to your daily life. Those are the people that I'm really most excited to support because I have such a personal relationship with that journey. And several of the people that I'm working with are transitioning to work in the coaching world. And so I do support and train coaches occasionally in my work because I think people need more of this type of support. And I think that life coaching in general is kind of at a stage now where, at least in the United States, something like yoga was in the 1990s. Where mm. like yoga was like kind of new, people liked it, but it wasn't like common language yet. Yeah. I think the coaching industry is still really young. It's still really new. It only started in the 1990s. And so it That's still right. has a lot more cultural understanding to develop. Yeah. You know, a lot of people think life coaches are just like influencers who live in Bali and just like (laughs) talk about how great their life is and don't you want to be me? And that's Mm. not it at all. So I do work with a number of of coaches who are trying to build intentional careers rooted in service to others. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you for sharing, Gabe. As you work with your clients and stuff and you present them with all the different avenues where they can find true purpose and align themselves, how important is the use of AI in terms of what you share and how you get your message out there? I ask that because I've had some people on and they're concerned about the influence of AI. My firm belief is that it's here to stay, to stay rather, and we should find a way to incorporate it, but not everybody thinks that way. And sometimes you end up playing up what I call a catch-up game. I don't mean think we should be playing catch-up. I think we should try to stay with what is happening, stay current, stay up to date as much as we possibly can. But from your perspective, Gabe, in terms of the use of AI, is it effective for you? Is it something that you appreciate as a tool? Is it something that's incorporated in what you do with your clients? I don't really use it on the client-facing side, but I use it on the business development side. So for me, AI is basically a research assistant. So I'll be like, you know, tell me which conferences on personal development are happening in North America this year, or, you know, help me research companies that are similar to X or Y organization that I'm interested in. So I use it as a data gathering tool and a compiling tool. I don't really use it in my writing or in my development of any programs or anything like that. I think it's pretty easy to tell when somebody has used chat GPT to build a landing page or to write an email or something. There's just... It's still, it's still, I can still hear it, you know, and it might develop past that point pretty quickly, but at where it's at now, I don't think it takes the place of like a heartfelt uh, newsletter speaking from your personal experience about something that's meaningful to you. And, you know, it can, it has mastery of vocabulary, but it doesn't have mastery of like sensation and experience. Mm -hmm. And I think there are coaching processes that AI is already capable of doing. Um, but I think there are others that it's not. And so if you want a coach to just support you in like recommending, you know, methods to organize your time more effectively, if you just want a list of books of, or podcasts to listen to on a particular topic, like again, AI is a great data compiler. 
and an idea generation tool. You know, you might ask it to like draft a few versions of a title for a program or an email, but ultimately I think that it doesn't have the creative power that human experience does. And I think in something as deep as purpose alignment work or values alignment work, you could use AI to generate a map, but having like a human being with you to travel that territory is still an experience that AI can't replicate. And so some of the coaching programs that I'm a part of that just do like coaching at scale inside of organizations for like hundreds of executives, you know, like LinkedIn or Airbnb will hire like a a coaching firm to to coach, you know, 900 team mm-hmm. members. Yeah. Some of those businesses I think are being impacted by AI because they're like, couldn't we just use a language model, like a conversation model and, you know, make it a Tony Robbins bot and like have it talk to our team. And like, you can, you can do yeah. that. And, yes. and I think for some yeah. people who really yeah. just want like goal management or, or organization or productivity focused coaching, it could be effective. But I think for some of those deeper emotional layers or like spiritual development or kind of understanding with human contact, the nature of somebody's experience to help call elements forward in their spirit, in their human soul that are that are essential to their thriving in the world. That's a deeply human process that that, you know, you're you're talking about a non-human entity that's doing it. And I think AI will become a bigger part of our world in the future. But I think right now it's hype Uh, right now. Like a lot of the things that are being discussed about AI's capability are hypothetical because like chat GPT is not, you know, the same as a human who's connecting with you empathetically and generating that emotional response and safety of connection. It's great for uh, practical stuff, you know, like research or generating ideas, but I don't think it's quite reached the level yet that it's being promoted at. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Gabe. Appreciate your take on AI. So we're going to go for a quick commercial break for about 27 seconds or so, and we'll be right back with Gabe Derita on The Breakout Room, the episode, How I Found a Life of Purpose with Gabriel Derita. Stand by. FindRadioGuest.com, the place to click to find guests to interview for free. And... If you're a radio show booker, podcaster, talk show host, or television producer, then this is the place to get podcasts and radio interviews or promote your books and products as a guest expert sponsor. FindRadioGuest.com. Check it out. So we are back. (laughs) So Gabe, I just want to throw out about three questions to you. I normally do this coming down to the end of the program and it has maybe two, three or four options in the questions. You choose one and then you tell us why you made the choice or maybe none of your choices would fall into the options. And then you just tell us, well, what would you prefer? Okay. So question number one, would it be ham and cheese or peanut butter and jelly? Mm. Oh, you went to school there, bro. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's tougher than I thought. <laughs> uh, I think wow. I want to go ham and cheese right now. Okay. And um, why? Why ham and cheese? I, I chose ham and cheese because I'm being like, I'm letting myself be a little bit more indulgent lately. I was a vegetarian for like five years and I, I'm like coming back around to incorporating meat in my diet. And I'm thinking of like, 
I'm a little homesick today. So I'm thinking of like soppressata or some good Italian ham and like a slab of like really good aged cheddar or gruyere on there and melting it in my toaster oven. And then I'm comparing that to like spreading some fruit sugar on a piece of bread and adding peanut butter juice to it. I'm like, eh. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great, great. So this is sporting wise. We have the NFL, the NBA. We have Sunday evening baseball. And we also have, let me see if I left on it, NFL, NFL National Football League, National Hockey League, baseball. What else? What is your sporting drive? Is there any? My sport is, is cycling. I really like cycling. So. I saw that, you know, but I'm sometimes, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, and, and uh, what's um, happening? Mm -hmm. Go ahead. I'm an obligatory Eagles fan because I grew up in Philadelphia and, you know, my family wouldn't, wouldn't really welcome me home for the holidays if I wasn't, you know, bleeding green a little bit. But yeah, I, I lose patience with football quickly because of the commercial breaks. It's like, it's not good for my attention. Oh, oh. The thing I like about cycling is that it requires like a sustained focus. You know, it's about like yeah. staying in the groove and creating a pace over miles and miles. It's kind of boring right. to watch on TV, but but it's really, really fun to go out and ride with a group of people and really test yourself. And I also like that it's it's about you're 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 really against yourself, right? It's you're not like against another team. You're 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 just testing your own individual strength. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, final question. And we spoke about AI and stuff. What is your preferred powerful online service? Is it Apple? Or Microsoft? I use Apple. I'm a Mac guy. But mm. you know, technology is just a tool. I'm not I'm not attached to it. Like if you gave me a good reason to use something else, I would. And and to be honest with you about the AI thing, like I'm not I'm not using it that much either, right? I'm really yeah. focused on in building in person experiences and community. And that's kind of where I live most of my life is in relationship uh -huh. with with human beings and in relationship with systems. And that doesn't always happen online it did a lot during the pandemic but less so now yeah okay great so i just have about two more questions before we give you a chance to share your information with folks how they can make contact with you for your services and so on the first question is if you had a megaphone and you could speak to almost 8 billion people in the world and it's just that one chance you have so it's something that you want them to remember and never forget, what is the message you would send to them, Gabe? What would you say? I would want to say that gratitude changes everything. Mm, interesting. Find something, find something to be grateful for right now yeah. in every moment of your day. And that melts away so much of the sense of lack and fear. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. And the, the other question is, if there's anything you would like not to have to deal with in the world today that you find should not exist. We shouldn't have to deal with it. It should not be there as something we have to confront or challenge. However, we choose to deal with it. What would that one thing be? Are you talking about like within ourselves or within society? Within society as a whole, something that everybody at one point in time has to grapple or deal with one way or the other. That everybody has to grapple or deal with. Yeah. Hmm. I think it'd be nice if we weren't still having a conversation about 
the need to address climate change. <laughs> I think uh, we have to address that at some point. I think it'd be nice if we were all just in alignment on our collective responsibility for creating a livable future on this planet for our children. That would be nice. I also think it would be nice if we collectively, especially in the West, and I know a lot of listeners all over the world might say, well, we have this, and you're really lucky if you do. But in the United States, I don't think we have a clear sense of like elders, you know, wisdom mm-hmm. in our society that have clear yeah. traditions that that young people can like have this relationship with and have a strong sense of coming of age or entering into a responsible relationship with the social fabric in our world. I think like that path to maturity, it exists in some wisdom traditions and religious traditions, but in a big like secular society like the United States, it's very fragmented. And and I think it'd be nice if if we had that sense of like wisdom and guidance and eldership in our culture. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing, Gabe. We appreciate it. So now I just want to give you the opportunity to tell folks how they can reach out to you. I'm just going to give you a little bit of help. <laughs> yeah. But let them hear from you. What is the most effective way in which they can reach out to you? They need your services, things that you do to help people align their purposes and stuff. Go ahead. Yeah. You got my Twitter link in there. I haven't used that since like 2013. Wow. Um, wow. No, but I think the best way to reach me is on my website, effectiveconnection.com. Mm-hmm. I also do use LinkedIn more and more these days. Yeah. So that's a great place to have a conversation with me, linkedin.com slash Gabriel Dorita. And I, I do love Instagram. I use it less now. I think the Reels feature is terrible. I don't like that I can't see the people that I came to the platform to interact with as easily. Yeah. But I do still use it. I especially like sharing stuff about you know mushrooms and foraging and travel. It's, it's a great place to just share information sort of conversation and i'm on instagram at fungabe f-u-n-n-g-a-b-e and everything that i share on instagram also ends up on my facebook so if you find me on facebook it's at gabe dorita any of those places you can reach me but my website has a button on it where you can book time to chat with me about anything i really just love meeting people and having conversations and there's no strings attached to just connecting and and having a phone call so there's a button on my website that lets you do that at effectiveconnection.com Thank you for sharing, Gabe. So there you have it, folks. The man in the house, Gabe the Reader, as he shared with us his information, his experiences, what he does, his philosophy for life. He's a goal whisperer, leadership coach, authentic relating trainer for Raja and a man who deals with psychedelics. So until next time, this is Andy of Andy's Personal Development reminding you guys to remember the three watchwords, health, happiness, and prosperity. Until next time, we are saying to you so long, Godspeed, God bless. Bye for now. Shalom. Namaste. Take care, people. And remember, grow every day, 1% at a time. Stay cool. Stay blessed. Bye for now. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Very good. No problem.